Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Acts chapter 8. And there's nothing more important than the Word of God. Nothing changes lives like the Word of God. Nothing brings the glory down in the church like the biblical proclamation of God's Word. And I love the Bible. And, uh, you know, I think it's one thing to give my opinion about the Christian life. It's one thing for me to tell you about, you know, how I've lived it or some sort of an illustration uh, in, in my life. But it's another thing to just preach the Word, to tell you what the Scripture says. And then to let the Holy Spirit of God do the work. And I pray tonight, as each night that we have met together, that that is what is, is happening in our hearts. In Acts chapter 8, it's a great chapter in the book of Acts. In fact, let me say this, <clears throat> the book of Acts is my favorite book in the Bible. I absolutely love the book of Acts. I'm a, I'm a church uh, planter, and we plant a gospel light. Um, 20, it'll be 22 years, June the 15th, 22 years ago. It was a church plant. Six of us went to that city and carved out a work. And we, we mentioned last night we had five prayer meetings prior to the beginning of Gospel Light. Now, almost 22 years later, we're still there and excited about what, uh, what God is doing. We're still growing, by the way. We have not arrived. We're learning. We're growing. God is working. And we're an open book to whatever God wants to do, uh, even in changing us to become more like Him and our church to become more like the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, we find a biblical model of the New Testament church. And we find so many incredible conversion stories. It's incredible how many people, the Bible, uh, that, that uh, God, uh, with the, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, anointed men like Luke in the book of Acts to write in detail these conversion stories. And there's so much we can learn from someone's conversion story. And when you have a conversion story, you have something very special. You see, when you don't have it, the Bible describes you as someone who is lost. The Bible describes someone without a conversion story as someone who is dead, someone who is in darkness, or like a sheep without a shepherd, without hope and without God in this world. But when you have a conversion story, the Bible calls you found, not lost, you're found. You're forgiven. You're, you're redeemed, as, as the Ball brothers say. I am redeemed. And when someone is redeemed, then they've been converted. They've been saved. And the Bible describes that person as being born again. And your story, your conversion story, is how, how that happened to you. How did that happen to you is, is your conversion story. Some would call it your profession of faith or your testimony. If you don't have one of these, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's a bad sign. And tonight, if how you would describe your conversion story is, you know, I've, I've just kind of hung around church all my life. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. Or maybe you might say, you know, I think it happened sometime when I was, I don't remember, 4, 5, 6, 10, 50, I don't remember. I just know that somebody told me that I made some kind of a decision. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about something that is, that is described in Scripture as the absolute greatest thing that has ever happened in your life. This is a huge thing. It's an incredible decision. It's, it's absolutely, uh, there's no words to describe how important it is to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Know that you have been redeemed. 
For instance, um, let me see here. <clears throat> uh, let me look for a husband. And, well, there's one. Well, I don't know for sure. Uh, brother, are you married? Did your wife come tonight? She did. Is, is your wife, is that your wife? Yes, it is. Are you sure that's your wife? I am, absolutely. So, 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 so you, at some point in your life, walked an aisle, and you exchanged some vows, and then someone said, you know, uh, someone said, I now pronounce you husband and wife, and, and, and it was who? who? Who was that? It was her. Are you sure it was her? Okay. What about, are you, are you, is, are you 95% sure? Because, I mean... I don't know. I mean, are you, are you sure? Are you 100% sure? For You're a witness. You were there. So she was there. This is his wife. And you are not willing to back down to even 99% sure. 100% sure. Can I tell you, that's how we ought to feel about our salvation. No backing down. I'm sure. I know it. Nobody can talk me out of it. I'm not 95% sure. I'm not 99% sure. I'm not just hanging out with this thing. I know... That I'm converted, I'm redeemed. I know it. And you know when you know it, that second song, smile, even da 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 da, smile. You know, I'm thinking, while they're singing that, singing that song, everybody in here who's been redeemed ought to be smiling. Amen. We ought to be smiling. That's why they're singing those songs. Those songs indicate something within the heart of a believer uh, that, that, that makes us smile when this whole world is frowning tonight. We have a hope because of that conversion story. And so in Acts chapter number 8, we read this conversion story. And what, what I took time to do was to find some things within this story that are within all of our stories. Anybody here tonight who has a conversion story has, has five things, five elements that, that are in every single one of our stories. It's a guarantee. And I think you'll see it in, in, in each one of these. I want you to connect with. And, and there'll be some you connect with maybe more than others. But I pray tonight that God would show you, as he has shown me tonight, that every time a person comes to know Christ, every time, there's five things going on. There's five things going on every time somebody comes to know Jesus Christ. I want you to look at the first thing. Acts chapter 8. Would you begin reading with me in verse 26? The Bible says and. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Number one, in every single conversion story you're going to find, first of all, number one, there is always an obedient messenger. There's always an obedient messenger. In this story, the obedient messenger is a man by the name of Philip. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. So you've got Philip here and, and someone is speaking to him. It's the angel of the Lord. And we have been given the Holy Spirit of God who speaks to us as well. And as we go about our daily lives, church, and as we live in the community of, of Columbus or, or wherever you live, wherever God has placed you, the neighborhood, the community, the, the place you work, there is a Holy Spirit who is speaking to you about who it is he wants you to go to, to be obedient. You see, you do not work where you work primarily to put food on your table. God has put you there as a missionary. God has placed you there for much more than a paycheck. 
You're not going to eat at a restaurant tonight or tomorrow night or, 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 or sometime this next week. You're not eating there because just primarily because that's where you like your food. No, that's because somebody is there who God is trying to connect you with to share the gospel. You didn't go to aisle five at Walmart yesterday because it was the one that didn't, primarily because it was the one that didn't have the most people in it and you could get through. No, no. You went to that aisle because God wanted you, an obedient messenger, to share with somebody the love of Jesus. Here's an obedient message. His name is Philip. And the Bible says that the angel said, Arise. Get up, Philip. It's time to do something. Arise, and, and Philip, we're going to go down to the south by the way that goeth down to Jerusalem unto Gaza. Gaza was a desert place 60 miles away from Jerusalem. 60 miles away. Now, folks, for you and I to be told to get up and go witness, if Brother Tony called you today and said, listen, I just feel led of the Holy Spirit to ask you to go in, in whatever, whatever city or town would be 60 miles away, I want you to go right now, drop whatever you're doing, but, but Brother Tony, no, 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 don't, don't, listen, I'm telling you, this is from God. Go to wherever and talk to somebody about Jesus. It's going to take you 60 minutes to get there with no traffic, right? If, if it's all interstate, 60 miles, 60 minutes, around 60 minutes, right? 60 miles for Philip would have been a whole lot longer than 60 minutes. So what did Philip do? I mean, the angel of the Lord randomly comes to Philip and says, hey, I need you to be an obedient messenger. There's somebody right now down in Gaza, 60 miles away from where you are, and I need you to share the gospel with them. And notice what Philip did in verse number 27. And he arose and went. He arose and went. He didn't make any excuses. He just got up and he went. He was an obedient messenger, and this is why in a moment we're going to see a conversion. And I want you to know, do you know why Erica Pacey, honestly, human, humanly speaking, why I'm standing here tonight? I'm here tonight preaching the gospel because 35 years ago, there was an obedient messenger named Glenn Riggs. And Glenn Riggs preached the gospel to this Roman Catholic altar boy. I mean, I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know Jesus. I, I didn't know anything about the Romans Road or John 3.16 or, or heaven and, and hell and, 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 and my sins could be forgiven. And, and, and I didn't need to confess them to a man, but I could confess them to a high priest. And who was that high priest? That didn't make any sense to me until somebody was faithful enough to share with me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am here today and so many incredible things have happened because I had a Philip. I had a Philip. I had somebody who the Holy Spirit said, arise and go, arise and preach, arise and share. There's somebody, there's a little boy there, he's 13 years old. He's from, a, he's from a split home and he's never heard the gospel. And his dad lives in New Orleans and his mom lives in Arkansas. And he's there this morning, preach the gospel, Glenn. And Glenn did. <laughs> and I walked the aisle and I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I've got a conversion story today because of an obedient messenger. An obedient messenger. What are some of the things that Philip could have done? Philip could have made a lot of excuses. Philip could have said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm too busy. I've got this going. I've got that going. I, I've got so many things in my life. I, I, you know, God, can I do it at another time? But we must remember, church, that no one ever comes to Christ without an obedient messenger. You must have an obedient messenger. There's got to be someone that goes and shares the gospel. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. 
You see, God is looking for those who are willing to go. God is looking tonight for obedient messengers. God is looking for those who aren't just interested in coming back to church Sunday morning. But God is interested in those who are willing to leave this place tonight and use Thursday till Saturday night to be obedient messengers. Who is it in our community? Who is it in our lives? Who is God placed in, in our marketplace? Who is it that we, this week, even before Sunday, can, can invite to church? Can, can say a word for Jesus, can maybe say something that would prick the heart of someone who is just sensitive already and God is drawing them and working in their hearts and, and people have been praying for them for, for, for years and, and all we're going to do is just be that obedient messenger that just simply God places in their life at the right time when they're ready. Wouldn't you like to be that one? I would. I'd like to be that person. I'd like for God to use me before Sunday at Gospel Light, as he has in times past, to be a Philip to somebody who's ready to be converted. I want you to see the second thing that's in every conversion story. This is in every conversion story. First of all, there's always an obedient messenger. Always in every, every conversion story, there's an obedient messenger. Number two, in every conversion story. Secondly, there is, there's a hungry heart. There's a hungry heart. In every story, there's a hungry heart. And guess what that hungry heart's looking for? Answers. Answers to life's questions. Answers to questions that they've been, they've been concerned about, confused about. In every conversion story, somebody is hungry for something. Look at verse 27 again, and let's just continue reading. Philip arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So here is someone, and this one is an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's sitting here, and, and the Bible's going to describe a chariot that he's sitting in, and, and it says here that, that he is, he is a, a, a heart that is hungry for the gospel. Here's why, because he's going to Jerusalem, listen church, to worship. He's going to worship. He's not saved. He's not going to worship. He doesn't know who he's going to worship. He's just going to worship something because all of us have been created to worship. Every one of us in this building were created to worship. And we're all born lost and without Christ. But there's always, there's going to always be an empty spot in that place in our hearts until we meet Jesus Christ. Nothing will fill that longing, nothing will fill that emptiness, nothing will fill that loneliness, nothing will fill it. We'll try this and that and all these things, but until we meet Jesus, we're always going to be longing to worship something. And this guy was, said, I'm taking off to Jerusalem, I'm going to worship. He didn't know who he was going to worship, but he was hungry to worship something, hungry to worship someone. Does anybody know what that's like? Does anybody here remember the day when you were longing, when, when something was missing in your life? Do you remember the day when you said there has to be more than this? There's got to be more than this. I've tried sex, I've tried alcohol, I've tried money, I've tried this and that and the other, but I'm still longing for something's missing. Remember how that felt? Because in every conversion story, every one of us had a hungry heart. I remember just, uh, we had Easter Sunday just, uh, what, a few weeks ago, right? April? Kind of came late this year, right? And what I did for the church, I just kind of came up with this idea. It was a random idea. But I, I told our media guy, I said, look, Ken, I want you to follow me 
everywhere that I go for about an hour. Just get the camera on me and follow me. I'm taking the Easter invitations, and I, I don't want you to talk to me. I, don't, I just want you to follow me. Just sit in the car, and, and when I get out, you get out. And if I don't get out, you don't get out. Just keep the camera on me for about an hour. And I just came up with this random idea. So here's what I did. I started driving around Hot Springs. I, uh, I, I'm driving around. I see a, a lady walking down the street. I jump out. Ken jumps out. I, I'm ignoring Ken. I just see, I, I'm walking. In, I said, hello, ma'am. My name is Erica Pacey. I said, listen, I, I'm, I go to Gospel at Baptist Church, and I was just wondering if I could invite you to come to church with us this Sunday, and gave her the invitation, and she took it. She said, thank you very much. Yes, I, I appreciate that, and, and Ken got that on the, on the, on the camera. And then I went to, to, to Wendy's, and we drove up to the drive-thru, and, and I ordered something at the drive-thru. Then I said, hey, ma'am, I was, actually, I didn't order anything that time. I didn't. I'm sorry. I just drove up through, to the driveway, uh, to, to the drive-thru, and I said, ma'am, listen, I, I don't need anything. I said, I just want to know if I can give you an invitation to come to church on Sunday morning at Easter. It's a, it's a great celebration. And she said, well, thank you so much, and I appreciate that. And, man, God was just giving me some open doors here, and Ken was getting all this on camera, you know. And uh, we went to uh, several of places and finally went to Walmart. Ken said, oh, this is going to be really weird, you know, but he's following me with a camera and I'm walking into Walmart and I, I did buy something this time. I picked something up off the, off the aisle and walked down one of the lanes and walked up to a lady and, 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 and gave her my item and she checked it out. I said, hey, before I leave, I said, could I just give you one of these invitations? I'd love to have you come to church. And she looked at that and she said, well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. She goes, I just might come. And I said, well, that'd be great. And I walked off and as I walked off, I went to the parking lot and as I got back in the van, and I, I just, there was a car parked next to the van, so I just, um, I took another one of those flyers, and I re- reached and pulled a little uh, windshield wiper up, and I put the flyer there, and I, Ken got all this on camera, and I jumped back in the van, and we just kept going. We did this for a while. He got all kinds of different times where I just randomly passed, and I said to the church the Sunday before Easter, as they looked at the movie, if you will, the pastor going all over town passing out invitations, I said, this is how you do it. You, you know, you just do it randomly. You, you, you just go. You just go. Wherever you go, wherever you are, whoever you talk to, you just, you just invite them to church. It's that easy. And that week we passed out 5,000 flyers inviting people to come to Easter Sunday. We had about 1,500 come. It's exciting. Well, that Sunday morning I'm standing at the door. And I'm shaking hands and it's, you know, all kinds of guests like you had. Easter's big. And this lady comes out and she shakes my hand and she says, remember me? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I I know you. And she says, well, you should, you invited me to come and I'm here and God's changed my life. And I said, well, when did I invite you? She said, Walmart. She said, you you, you invited me at Walmart, you had some dude behind you with a camera. (laughs) And you pulled out this invitation and you invited me to church and she said, can I tell you my story? And I said, what's your name? She said, Monica. I said, Monica, she's been, she's been emailing all week long. She's so excited. I said, Monica, what, what, what's your story? And she said, well, you see, I came to work that day, and, man, I've had some tough things going on in my life. My husband left me, and I've got a lot of struggles and things that I can share with you at a later time. Just, just pray for me for now. But I came to work that day empty and struggling and just knowing that I needed something. Something needed to change in my life. And I had such a burden and then here comes this bubbly, happy guy checking out one item, one random item. 
And, and then you, you pull out this invitation and you smile at me and you act like you love me and you care about me and you really want me to come and, and you smile the whole thing. Smile. Da, da, da. I mean, I'm smiling at her. I give her the thing. I love that. I give her the thing. And, 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 she, and then, you know, I, I took it and I thought, well, this must be from the Lord. You know, he probably wants me to go to this church. This is probably what he's trying to help me with. And so I put it under the register. I didn't really look at the name of the church. I couldn't have told you if you'd have asked me five minutes later. I just knew I was going to take that flyer home. So I left work that day, and I got halfway out to the car, and I realized, oh, no. I forgot that stupid invitation. And she said, you know what? I'm not going to go back and get it. She goes, forget this. She goes, you know what? Ah, whatever. And she said, I walked out to my car, and I got in my car, and I saw something on the windshield wiper. There were hundreds of cars in the Walmart parking lot. Hundreds. And she said, I got out and it was that same flyer. And I looked at all the other cars around me and nobody else had a flyer. I said, you're the only one I put it on. And she said, how did you know that was my car? I said, I didn't know it was your car. But the Holy Spirit knew it was your car. And I said, oh, all I was is an obedient messenger. That's all I was. I was just a nobody. I'm really not that special. I'm just a guy that loves people and cares for people. And, and I want to see what would happen. And she said, oh, God's doing so much in my life. And this morning, I just feel like this is exactly what I needed. And God spoke to me this morning about getting back in church and getting right with the Lord. And I want you to know I am ready. And I'll be back next Sunday. And she was and she has and she is. And God's working. I want you to know, listen, church, there is a lady at Walmart tonight, tomorrow that's waiting for you. Not just to check out your little item or your items and rush back to your car. But she needs an obedient messenger because she's a hungry heart. She's a hungry heart. Or maybe the guy, I was walking to work. I walk to work. I live really close to the church. I live in the hood. Our church is in the hood. Hot Springs, you know, it, it, it's pretty, it's beautiful, but if there's a bad area, and I live in it and the church is in it, you know. It's right in the center of the city. And my wife and I decided, you know what, we want to make a short drive to the church and we don't want to live, you know. And plus, I'm from New Orleans and went to school in Chicago and was the youth pastor in L.A., so I like the inner city. I, like some people like crickets, I like gunshots. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we have a lot of weird things happen. We have folks come to our door, beat up, bruised. Our, it, it's never a dull moment at the Capacey home living in that neighborhood. Anyway, I'm walking to work one morning early, and, and I always ask the Lord, just God, you said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, so I'm going to walk to work today. If, if, if nobody walks past me, if, if, if nobody comes in, in, where I can talk to them about you, I, I'll, I'll just take it that you wanted me to pray the whole way. But God, if, if somebody comes by me that I can talk to, I, I commit that it's a divine appointment. I, it just got to be. You would not want me to walk past somebody if it wasn't a divine appointment just walking to work. You know, I'm, I've got no excuses. I'm on time. I'm not going to be late. Surely you'd want me to talk to them. So I kinda, that's kind of my principle about why I walk to work. And I could drive to work. It's four blocks, but, you know, I just walk. And so this guy's coming around the corner on a moped. And I'm wondering, God, does this constitute? It's a moped. He's not walking, but he is going pretty slow, you know. And so he... He's in the moped, and I, and I just, he's about, you know, 30 yards away, and I'm like, hey, you know, I just start waving, and I said, you know, stop, you know, and, and, and he stops. He takes off his little helmet, and I said, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Jack, why? Do you need something? I said, well, I think you need something. 
I didn't know why I was going to say that. I didn't know I was going to say that. Obedient messages don't always know what they're going to say. You know, you just, God says he'll give us the words to say, right? Doesn't he say that somewhere in scripture? And so I said, well, Jack, I, I just think you need something. He said, how did you know I need something? I said, I didn't know. I just kind of prayed about talking to somebody on the way to work today, and I just thought I'd ask you what you need. He said, man, I need Jesus. He said, man, I've been off of meth for one week. He said, I, I've, I've been high on this stuff for a long time. He said, I'm struggling to just to never do it again. I've lost my family. I've lost my kids. I've lost my wife. What I need is I need relief. And I said, I can tell you how you can get that relief. And I introduced him to Jesus. And Jack got saved. And Jack got baptized a couple weeks later. And his story has been, un and it's so good watching him and his two boys in church every Sunday. Isn't it awesome? It's awesome. All because a moped just drove past me slow and it just the holy spirit the angel of the lord said that's it that, that's it that's it when's the last time that happened to you when's the last time you felt the nudging of the holy spirit you say well i don't really know what you're talking about as far as that holy spirit well there's two reasons why the holy spirit wouldn't nudge you constantly you're either quenching him or you're grieving him quenching him or grieving him you're either doing something that's making him really, 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 really sad, and so he can't speak to you, he can't, he can't, he doesn't have a clear channel to work in your life because you're grieving, or you're quenching him. You're, you're doing something that, that he, you're not doing something he wants you to do. He, he's, he wants you to do something, but you're not doing it, and you're not listening to him. And, and you're quenching him, or you're grieving him, and, and he can't speak to you, so you don't hear him, so you're going through your entire life, and there's people walking by you that need Jesus, but you have no idea that God puts you in that place to witness to them, but you can't hear his voice. See, obedient, hungry hearts need obedient messengers. All over this area, that's what they need. And I'm asking you today. You see... When I was first started our church, we used to have an old evangelist through named Frank Shiver. Frank's now about 86 years old. He preached a revival for us a couple years ago. And, and he's just an old, faithful preacher of the word of God. I love Frank with all my heart. And Frank got up one Sunday, and I'll give you my third thought. I have to tell you this quick little tidbit. This might be something, you know, this is one of those little tweetable statements. You know what I mean? I like, I like one-liners, don't you? My Bible is, my, most of my Bibles are full of just one-liners one line, one and sermons that, wow, that was it. That's why I came tonight, you know. This may be why you came tonight. And so he said, you know, he said, you're going to witness to a lot of people. Of course, he said it in that 86-year-old raspy voice, you know, like an old raspy preacher's voice. You know? He said, you know, he said, you're going to talk to people all the time about Jesus. He said, a lot of them aren't going to listen to you. They're going to reject you. They're, going to, they're, they're just not ready or they're not interested. He said, they're, they're not ripe for the gospel, you know. We call them green apples, you know what I mean? I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're just not want to listen. They're not, they're not interested. And said, but there's going to be some of those red apples, amen? Some of those ripe ones. He said, one of the, some of those that are just, as soon as you ask them, uh, you know, do they know Jesus or, or what can I pray with you about? They're going to start weeping and crying like Jack did, you know. I mean, I mean they're, they're ready for the gospel, like Monica. They're just ready. And he said, just remember this when you go. You're looking for the one that's looking for you. I never forgot that. That's what, I, that's what I do every day of my life. I'm looking for the one that's looking for me. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they are. 
But I know there's somebody looking for me. They don't even know they're looking for me. But I, I mean, God is going to put me in their path to be their Philip to help meet their need and fill their hungry heart. Nobody, nobody comes to Christ unless the Spirit draws him. Nobody. And nobody comes to Christ without a Spirit-filled Philip that's ready to help that person whom the Spirit is already drawing. And all they need is an obedient messenger. Number three, in every conversion story, every one, I promise you, there's not a one that this does not, this is not in. It is the third thing in every conversion story, and it is in this one. There's always an obedient messenger. There's always a hungry heart. Number three, there's always, always, without fail, there is always God's word. There's always God's word. Look at verse number 28 and see if you see what I see. In 28, this man was returning. He went to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, and he was sitting in his chariot reading what? The scriptures. Isaiah the prophet, the scriptures. He was reading the word of God. Amen? You see that? And then the Spirit says to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou readest. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that neat to see that God's word here is going to make a difference in this man's life? So here he is. He, he's, he's in a chariot and he's reading the scriptures. Can I tell you what that is? A hot prospect. Somebody is already reading the word of God. And so the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord says, hey, there he is. The Spirit, look, in verse, the Spirit says to Philip, verse 29, go near, go near to him. That's it, that's him. The one reading the Bible by himself in the park, he's crying, something's going on. I'm drawing him to myself. It's obvious, he's a hungry heart. Hey, Phil, that's it, right there. Look here, and Philip walked and Philip hesitated Philip ran <laughs> he ran he said man there's no time to waste I've got to get to this man God has given me this opportunity amen Philip was excited he was excited he was excited about an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus question are we excited to tell people about Jesus are we excited to share the gospel, the greatest news in all the world? Or are we always hesitating? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Lord, what are you doing this to me for? I just, you know I'm not like this. No, listen. The truth of the matter is, is there's something within every believer when he knows that he has the greatest news in all the world, that God gives us the opportunity to have what's called boldness. Boldness to share that. It's the greatest element in the New Testament church. You'll find it everywhere. Boldness. These guys went from scared cowards before the, the, the ascension of Jesus Christ and the, and the coming of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 as it fell upon them. They went from bold cowards who were, who were scared and afraid to do anything without Jesus right there with them to men who were willing to die for their cause. Where's that gone in the church? Why are we so interested in Sitting in a pew and coming to church, and forgive me, being entertained for a few moments. And I know that's part of it. I understand that. 
But can I tell you, the only reason we gather is to scatter. It's the only reason. We're actually gathering a little bit less as a corporate entity at Gospel Light. We've made some changes to where we're actually going to, to church as a corporate. But now, as far as going to church, we go more. We just go in, and it's a different venue. There's different uh, small groups and things. So, so we're not gathering as a massive congregation as much because, to be honest with you, I think the most important thing that we can do is not sit three, four, five, six, seven, eight times a week and listen to somebody motivate us to do something we're not going to do anyway. Let's just hear it and let's do it. Let's just hear the word of God and do the word of God. Isn't that what the wise man does? He hears the word of God and he does what it says. And when he does that, he builds his house upon a what? A rock. But then the Bible describes others who hear the word of God. They hear it too. They're all churchgoers. They go all the time. They've heard 17,000 sermons. They hear the word of God. The wise hear it and the foolish hear it. Both hear it. So what's the big deal about hearing it? If you don't do it. The Bible says the one who hears it and doesn't do it is likened to a fool who builds his house upon sand. When the winds come and the floods come and the rains come, the house falls. Not because they were not in church. They went to church all the time like you and I. They just didn't do what it said. Are you going to do what the Word of God says this week? I know it's a lot. It's four five sermons. I mean, it's a, it's a boatload of information. It's almost information overload. It's almost conviction overload. It's like, ah, you know, take me away. I can't hardly take it. And sometimes I think that's what discourages us. And we just feel like I can't do all this. Let me ask you something. When did the Spirit speak loudest this week? When, why don't you just take that one thing? Joe, the one thing that the Spirit of God this week and everything that he gave you, just the one thing, and just this week, say, God, I am going to do this one thing this week, this one thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really work at this one area in my life. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's, God, I want to be that obedient messenger who finds that hungry heart, who shares God's word. And here's the word of God. And Philip runs over here. And, and, and look what it says here. I love this. I love this. This is one of those things about the word of God that when you read it and study it, it just, it's just so sweet. Philip runs to him and, and he heard him read the prophet Isaiah. He heard him reading it. And here's what Philip said. Look at it in verse 30. Boy, if you don't, do, if you don't get saved, you're going to split hell wide open. Is that what you see? I don't see that. I don't see some mean, arrogant, you know, hell's hot, turn or burn. Hey, uh, how you doing? My name's Philip. I see you're reading the Bible there. Um, you understand it? I love that approach. That's what God, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, and I told my church too. <laughs> Be gentle with people. Be gentle. Be gentle. Just be gentle. Love on them first. Make sure they know you care. See, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think there's something in that verse that we all need. It's not about being overbearing. It's not about making them pray a prayer. It's not about coercing them or manipulating them. The Spirit of God will handle all of this stuff like that. You don't have to do any of that. That's not your responsibility. Well, listen, you know, well, why don't you get saved? Just pray the prayer. What's it going to hurt? I used to do all that stuff. Come back and say, I got me five. I never get five anymore. I don't think I was getting five back then, to be honest with you. I really don't. Because they're nowhere to be found. 
just people that prayed a prayer because I was a really good salesman. God doesn't need us to peddle his gospel. He doesn't need us to do that. The Holy Spirit of God does all the work, all the convicting. All he needs is just dumb sheep that know how to say, I love Jesus and he loves you and I don't know how much about, I, I can maybe help you understand that. Where, where are you reading there? That's all. That's all. Sometimes we think we need to be a theologian to tell people about Jesus. God doesn't need a theologian. He doesn't need one. The more you know, the better it is. Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, I just graduated with a little more knowledge of the Bible here a few weeks ago, but the truth of the matter is, is, is what God needs is someone who just is willing to share the word of God. Look at it. Understand what thou readest. And, and here's what he said. How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him and the place of the scripture which he read was this he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb isaiah chapter 53 isaiah 53 isn't that awesome and so here we see the word of god because god's word always makes the difference listen to me tonight church clever speech will never be enough clever speech you can go to all the classes you want you can learn all of the soul winning techniques you can go through operation go and 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 whatever else and i like them and they're good and thank god for them but that is not what necessarily people need memorize speeches and and illustrations and bouncing the ball three or four times and oh what was i supposed to say next oh oh yeah um no that we don't need clever speech what we simply need to do is just share what Jesus did for us. God's word makes the difference. Get scripture into people. Why? Because hungry hearts are ready. Hungry hearts are ready. They're ready. And if you are going to find and follow Jesus, you have to come to the place in your heart where you're willing just to be a vessel that God uses to just introduce people to a God they've already been drawn to. God is working. God is drawing. In this very room, there is somebody open to the gospel tonight. God is working. God is drawing. God has brought you to this place. You may be that hungry heart. And tonight, we'd like to give you the opportunity in just a moment. Number four, you ready? In every conversion story, in every one, there's not a one this isn't in. This has got to be in every one. You'll recognize it in yours in just a moment. There's always, in every conversion story, an obedient messenger. There's always a hungry heart. There's always God's word. Number four, there is always. Now, I'm going to give you two big theological words. I'm going to approach this one just a little bit different. I'm going to give you the theological concept, and then I'm going to give you just the meat and potatoes. The theological way of saying it would be this. In every conversion story, there is an understanding of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you, you're connecting with that. Others of you are like, substitute, ato- what? Well, you need to understand it to get saved. And guess what? If you're saved and you don't quite understand those two words, let me tell you, let me let the light go on. Here's what it means. Jesus took your place. Amen? Jesus took your place. When you got saved, you realized that. You realized that your sin was, was deserving of an eternity in hell. But at some point you realize, wait a minute, you mean Jesus died for me? You mean Jesus took my place? It's the idea that I owed a debt that I could not pay. God is holy. I am sinful. But Jesus died on the cross to, to, to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven. Amen. 
That is understood in every conversion story. Letting go of my efforts and embracing what Jesus did for me. That's what this Roman Catholic altar boy needed to do. Because all my life I was lighting candles and confessing my sins to the priest. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. My last confession was. And I'd get out my piece of paper that I had been keeping for the last 30 days where I wrote down all of my sins. Every sin that I did, every time I mistreated my brother, every time I stole a dime off my mother's dresser, every time I mistreated my mother, smarted off, got demerits at school. I mean, sometimes my list was three or four pages long, and I'd read that list to the priest. I was so scared I'd miss one sin. I didn't want to miss one sin. And I'd read that list, and he would then tell me, Eric, thank you for your honesty. Looks like you've had a pretty rough month, or it wasn't so bad, Anyone instruct me how many Hail Marys I had to say? How many Our Fathers? How many times to go through the rosary? And then he would instruct me how many venial sins and what, what, how many candles I needed to light and the 50 cent or the dollar or the two. And I know it sounds funny to you, but it was very serious to me. And I can make it sound funny tonight. If you need to laugh, I can do that. But honestly, I was very serious about it. I mean, I was very serious because I wanted to go to heaven. And now you're telling me Jesus took my place? I mean, now you're showing me in the scriptures that Jesus died for me? That, 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 that I should have hung on that cross for my sin, but Jesus paid the penalty for my sins, and, and now I don't have to go to this man who's a sinner just like I am to forgive me my sins, but I can go straight to the man, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the God-man, and get for, amen, that means, that means Jesus took my place. That's substitutionary atonement. Look at verse 34 and 35. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophets this, of himself or some other man? And here it is. And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. Here it is, church. Here's the substitutionary atonement in every conversion story. And he preached unto him Jesus. He preached Jesus. And when you preach Jesus, I want you to know what you're preaching is he came, he lived the perfect life, he died for your sins, he rose again from the dead to prove that he was God, and he's coming back one day to take us. Can I say this? All of us need to know enough about the Bible to share that. Maybe we could share simply that Jesus is God's son and and just know that John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel in one verse. We could tell them that Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Does everybody know that? You You know enough about the Bible to just tell someone... Jesus came to call you to repent of your sins. That's in 1 John 4, 10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son. And I know this is a big word. It's propitiation. And not many people are going to know what that word is. So you might want to know this. It means payment. And you need to stop and explain that. Make sure they understand Jesus made payment for your sin. And then maybe we need to know that he loved them so much that he, he died. He died for them as an atoning sacrifice for their sin. And that's a, a Romans 5, 8 verse. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you know that, you can share it. And then maybe it would be good to know for guys like me who are out there trying to work my way to heaven. It might be good to know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that it's not of works. That the Bible says that it's for by grace that we're saved and, and, and out of faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Really? The Bible says that? Yes, it does. 
The Bible says all have sinned in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is only one who has lived a perfect, sinless life. All the rest of us are sinners. We need to know that. We need to be able to share that about Jesus. They need to know it's a gift, amen? They need to know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. Do you know that? Share that with somebody tomorrow. They need to know that to be saved, they just got to repent and believe on his name. For John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe. Believe. Just believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Do you know that tonight? What an opportunity, even right now in this service, before I close the message with one more thought, to ask this question, have you embraced the righteousness of Jesus Christ as the provision for your forgiveness? Have you done that in this building tonight? Is there anybody here tonight that would say, listen, I can't look back to a time where I turned from my sin and turned to Jesus and trusted him as my Savior. Pastor Capace, what you're talking about is what I need to do. If you do not know, you can know right now. You can right now where you're seated, in your seat, right where you're seated. You can cry out to God in your heart. Say, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, God. I, I accept your payment on that cross when you died and shed your blood for my sins, to cover my sins. God, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And God, help me to be the kind of person that you want me to be and walk with you and be the, a, a tool in your hands to be a Philip to somebody else tonight. Even right where you're seated, you can be saved tonight, right now, right now. And then number five, and I'm done, and I'm going to close in just about three minutes. In every conversion story, there's an obedient messenger. There's a hungry heart. There's always God's word. There's always an understanding of substitutionary atonement. Jesus took my place. And number five. Look at verse 36 and 37. I'm going to tell you the fifth thing in every conversion story. You won't find one in the book of Acts without this. You won't find one in the book of Acts without this. Look at verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, hey, look at here. There's water. There's water. You told me I, I, I needed to get baptized, right? See, here's water. Well, what's the thing to me for being baptized? And Philip said, well, you know, if you're believe with your heart, you can go ahead and be baptized. And he answered and said, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and that the eunuch was, saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Number five, in every conversion story, there is a profession of faith, a public profession of faith. A public profession. There is an expression that I'm not ashamed to associate myself with Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Eric, are you saying that baptism is necessary for salvation? Of course not. You know I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, that when somebody gets saved, if they don't want to have anything to do with getting baptized, and they don't want to have anything to do, what, 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 no, no, not they didn't get what I got. 
Can I tell you something? In every story in Scripture, you'll find someone willing to follow Jesus, and, and they're baptized. They're ba- That's why sometimes it sounds like it is. Sometimes you read some Scriptures, Tony, and honestly, it does sound like it's, ba- it's, 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 it's grace plus baptism. It's, it's, sometimes it looks like that, and you're like, it can't be that way because Scripture would contradict itself. So what the Bible is teaching, it's simple. It's just teaching this, that, hey, I'm saved. What do I need to do? Get baptized. Yes, sir. Where's the water? Let's go. I'll do anything for Jesus. He died for me on the cross. You want me to get some water and tell people I'm, you want to just illustrate it? I'm in. I'm in. What else can I do for Jesus? Well, you can read your Bible and pray. Witness to others. But there's always a public profession of faith. This isn't something private. That's why I think so many are confused about whether or not they're saved or not. It's not a private decision. This is a public decision. Baptism is not something you did to get saved, but but it's something that immediately follows salvation that tells the world that it's evidence. This is the evidence of the decision I made. In every conversion story, there's baptism. It's a new message, but, you know, when I've preached this message, or that thought, if I should say, when I've preached that thought at some point, We've always had at least one or two in our church come to me the next week and say, Pastor, wow, that was strong. And I, I just need to let you know, I, I haven't followed Christ yet and believe his baptism. Pastor, could I do that this Sunday? It's almost always happened that way. I don't know who that is in this building or if there is. But can I tell you something? If you've not followed Christ yet and believe his baptism and you're really saved, you're going to do it this Sunday. <laughs> you know now, and you're not ashamed. And if you are ashamed, then I would ask you to back up just a little bit. Maybe you're the hungry heart still. Maybe you're still the hungry heart that has never really completely given your heart to Christ. I'm asking you tonight to ask yourself this question. God, am I the obedient messenger? Or God, am I the hungry heart? Because I'm one or the other. I'm one or the other. Chances are, there's many more obedient messenger candidates in this church than hungry hearts, right? Chances are. Probably. I mean, if there's Several hundred people in this room, more than likely there's several hundred saved people in this room, I would think. But I still want to give the invitation. If you're a hungry heart today, you've come to church and, and you're kind of resonating more with that fellow that was sitting in the chariot. That's kind of who, that, that's who you are. I mean, you, you're not talking to people about Jesus because you're not sure that you're saved yourself. This is a revival meeting. Could I invite you to come? We'll be up front. I'll be here. Brother Tony, others, just we'd love to take just a moment maybe you prayed right where you're sitting maybe tonight some point during the service you trusted Christ and and you'd like to come and just tell us what you did and make it public hallelujah praise the Lord and what doth hinder me from being baptized amen but maybe maybe it's the Walmart lady that God's calling you to maybe it's Jack Polizzi on the go-kart maybe it's the lady at the gas station how much gas you want $20 hey by the way gotta give you something it just tells you how much Jesus loved you they may tear it up they tear it up they weren't looking for you but they just might take it and say thanks who knows it's not my job to do the saving. It's just my job to share the gospel. 
obedient messenger are you out there are you willing to maybe come tonight and just say God I'm ready I'm ready to be a, a scatterer I'm ready from here until Sunday to, to be tender to the angel of the Lord the spirit of God who is it God who is it which one who is it you know what I'm talking about I'm not talking about embarrassing your church or embarrassing God listen you know what I'm talking about it's not something that is hard to figure out it's just something that God's calling us to do tonight